Good morning, Oikos. How are y'all today? So for the next two weeks, uh, you have the pleasure of being able to uh, dig into Ephesians with me. And, and so the theme for the next two weeks is going to be called, This is Us. And so with that, we're, what we'll be talking about is who we are as a church and kind of what we do as a church. And, uh, and so I think uh, just to kick it off, um, here in North America, when we hear the word Christian or we hear the word church, for everybody, more or less, that means something different. So if you grew up in the church and you walked away, being a Christian or being a, a part of a church means something different. Here at Oikos, it means something different to be part of the church than it does, let's say, another Lutheran church down the road. So there's people that would associate themselves with a style of worship. There's people that will associate church with, with judgmental haters. There's people that would associate the church as, <laughs> as people that are ignorant. And there's people that would, would associate the church as the most wise, the most smart, the best looking. You know, you, the list goes on. But what we'll be talking about for the next two weeks is this is us as a church. So uh, I'm going to pick on a couple of friends of mine, Corey and Nicole. We had them over for dinner on Wednesday. And, uh, and they were over at the house. And Nicole kept asking questions of, of so what do I tell people when, when I say that our pastor doesn't preach every Sunday? Or what do I tell people when they ask why we don't do liturgy? Or what do, uh, what do I tell people when, uh, when we don't wear robes as pastors? Or what do I tell people when they ask um, why we have so many leaders that preach? And so I think for every single one of us in here, when we hear the word church, is we, we think differently than one another. I think that word is so individualized. And so what we're, we'll talk about the next two weeks is clearing up some of those things. When Jesus and when Paul calls us the church... What does that mean? And so um, we'll dig into Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. If you want to turn there, uh, either on your phone or one of the Bibles in the, in the chairs, or it'll be up on the screen. So it'll be in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are followers of Jesus Christ, May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has been blessed with us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are unified with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. So as we talk about the church One of the most important parts about being part of the church is that we are unified in Christ. So we can look throughout our lives and we can see a lot of disunity. I mean, even in your your marriages, you can see some disunity. In your relationships, you can see disunity. But the most important part about being a church is being unified in Christ. In our culture, we have a lot of events, we have a lot of things that, that unify us. So the 4th of July is one of those. That on 4th of July, everybody, more or less, across our country celebrates, yeah, I'm American. America. 
I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to shoot fireworks and, and just celebrate our independence, our freedom, celebrate uh, hot dogs and hamburgers, celebrate baseball. We do these things in our culture that this is who we are and this is what I do. This is everybody can celebrate America. Um, and in America, there's so much diversity. I mean, different languages, different skin color, different religions, but we celebrate America on July 4th. And it's funny because on July 5th, you hear a firework and you're like, honey, call the police. <laughs> but on the July 4th, we are all unified. And so when Paul says that we are unified under Christ, is it means that Jesus is the center of the church. And that's huge, that Jesus is the center of the church. And that when we are unified with him, that makes us the church and not just a church. That we are chosen together by God from the beginning of time, as Paul says. That we are chosen to be here together. And that connects us to something beyond just this worship experience on Sunday morning. It connects us beyond Oikos. It connects us beyond the Lutheran church. It connects us beyond the state of Texas. Beyond the world. But this is with Jesus as the center. It connects us to all the believers in the past. All the believers now, today. And all the believers that will come. Is that Jesus is a center and has unified every single believer from the beginning of time. So when we worship on Sunday mornings like this, is that actually a glimpse of eternity. And that's special. So being united with Christ makes us the church and not just a church. Because a church cares about the style of music. The church cares about worshiping God daily. A church cares about the personality of a pastor. The church cares about the words of the Lord. A church wants to see its, its members grow and its budget grow. But the church wants to see people know Jesus. A church wants to gain prestige, be known worldwide. But the church wants to see people know the kingdom. A church is self-serving. The church is self-sacrificing. A church is about the world. The church is about the kingdom. So we are connected to every single believer that has come, that, and that will come, and that is here now. And so when ta Paul talks about receiving these spiritual blessings, it means that we are drawn close to Jesus in this unity. That we may disagree on certain things with other Christians, that we may disagree with, with uh, how to serve communion, or we may disagree with what style of worship is the best. We may disagree what the pastor should wear on Sunday mornings. We may disagree about the models of ministry we go with. But the church says, Jesus, you are number one, and I want to follow you. And that unites us with every single believer, whether it's Catholic whether it's Presbyterian, whether it's Lutheran, that Jesus makes the church. So when Paul talks about these spiritual blessings, I want to ask a question. How many of y'all have been blessed by church at Oikos before? 
You can raise your hand, whether it's, it's uh, just financially, whether it's with a prayer, whether it's with a relationship, whether it's a glimpse of hope. That's a lot of hands. So when Paul talks about being blessed by the church, it means these things. It means that you can look around and say, at one point in my life, I needed to receive from the Lord. And I did that through the church. And so when Jesus is the head of the church, we receive the blessings through the church. So one of the ways that we do this is we did it earlier today when we did confession and absolution, that we come together as a church and say, I kind of messed up. I yelled at my wife this week. I didn't do my homework this week. I lied. I was lazy at work. I failed. I didn't follow through with what I was supposed to follow through with. I didn't raise my kids the way, best way I should have. I didn't pay attention to the loved ones around me. I spent too much money on things I didn't need. That when we confess these things unto the Lord, it says in the scripture that we are forgiven. And so with being the church, is this is one of the most powerful things we get to do, is we can proclaim forgiveness as the church to people. That say, Lord, I messed up. I need you. And we can say, JP, you're forgiven. David, you're forgiven. Christy, you're forgiven. That we can declare that in the name of Jesus. That we don't remember the sins of the past, but we can declare that those are forgiven and washed away and that you're brand new. And we can also receive through the church, we'll do it later today, but we get, com- we get communion. Where Jesus promises that through the body and the blood that he'll be present and that we believe that this is, will forgive our sins as well. That Jesus invites us to sit at the table with him. To sit down, take a minute, look around with our family, look around with the believers that are here today. We get to sit there with the Lord and receive forgiveness from him. And a promise that he's given us. And that connects us not only to the people here today, but again, that connects us to the, the Christians that came before us that celebrated this. The disciples, the night that Jesus was betrayed, sat down with them and said, let's dine together. It connects us to them. It connects us to those that will come because Jesus promised that in this, when the church practices these, these, uh, the communion and when the church practices baptism, that we are connected to all believers, not in just this realm, but in heavenly realm as well. And so through the church, we receive through sacraments from our our Savior and from our Lord. And then we are welcomed into the family. So through baptism, we have a beautiful promise. And that promise is, when I pour the water over you, or when the water is poured over somebody, that Jesus is present in that moment. And that we're promised to be welcomed into his family. And that these the times that we sin and mess up won't change our status in the family because Jesus said, through my death and resurrection, you're connected to me. You are unified with me. 
And then we can take a step forward boldly into that forgiveness. And it'll be life-changing. So we receive from the church these blessings that are heavenly as we are united with Jesus. So we'll jump into Ephesians um, verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for our glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and in grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered, us, he has showered his kindness on us along with the wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Jesus Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan and this plan. At the right time, he will bring everyone together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. So over the last month, uh, I had the pleasure to witness one of the coolest things I think in my entire life. And as Paul is talking about adoption, I got to witness the adoption of two little boys. And there are two little boys that have been walking alongside the Vanderwaters and that they had fostered for a while. And we got to go to the, the courthouse and we got to watch the judge declare that you're part of the Brown family. And I, I think I put a, if we have the picture, you can go ahead and put it up. But they were welcomed into the family. And when, G, and when Paul talks about being adopted, is he's declaring that each and every one of us is now a son and a daughter in Jesus Christ. And so with this adoption is, is it's this foreign concept that somebody outside my blood family would be welcomed in to be on the same status as the regular, the rest of the family. Because by birth, there is no right to that. But with Jesus and our adoption, is he says you have every right. That you have every right to be part of my family because I purchased you with my death and my resurrection. That my blood said, even though you are worth nothing, I gave everything so you could be part of my family. And with that, I think this is cool, is, is in the story of Abraham, when, when God promised Abraham that you're going to be adopted into my family, or Abram and Sarai, that you're going to be adopted into my family, that it came with a name change. And they added the H at the end. So it became Abraham and Sarah. And with that came a completely new identity for Abraham and Sarah. That the name change no longer said that you are Abram and Sarai, but you're one of my sons and daughters. And so when we're welcomed and adopted into the family of Jesus, it's he says, you're no longer a foreigner. You're no longer somebody that doesn't deserve this birthright. You're no longer somebody that is an enemy of Christ. But I'm adopting you into my family, and now you are a child of mine. And so God and Jesus go from saying that we're unified together as all believers everywhere, to now we're unified individually. 
that we are unified with Christ on an individual basis. And so part of being about the church is we are welcomed into something that we don't deserve to be welcomed into. <laughs> that in our, our crap and in our, our lack of status and our disunity with our family, our disunity with our coworkers, our disunity with the people around us, that in those times that we're welcomed into something to get a picture of, of what we don't deserve. And so part of being about the church and part of being the church of Jesus is we get to give that glimpse to those that may not see it. That as we are all here today on this side of heaven, that we're all in different places in our faith. Some may trust more. Some may have more um, conviction about who they're following. Some may have more trust in, in the Lord financially or trust in the Lord with provision. Some of us may have very little faith. Some of us may not feel the peace of Christ. Some of us may not have the joy of Christ. Some of us may be struggling with, how do I get through the next day? Some of us can say, I do trust. But as we are here today, each and every one of us are on a different page, but we're welcomed in to something that we don't deserve to be around. If you look around, I want you all to take a second and look around the people that are here today. Don't smell them because they probably smell weird or whatever. But look around and see some of these faces. I'm willing to bet that there's a face or two here that you've never talked to before or another name. I'm willing to bet. Because I know I, I'm with you on that one. There's some faces here that I don't know. I haven't met. And so as we are here today, we may never leave this place and see that person again on this side of heaven. We may never ever get to talk to that person. And in our, our everyday lives as well is when we are going throughout our life, we may never see this person again. But we're welcomed into something that we don't deserve to be welcomed into. That as you look around here, that hopefully you're not picking out and saying, you don't belong here. You don't deserve to be here. You smell too bad. You didn't shower this morning. You're a bad driver. Hopefully as we look around today, we're not saying that. Because Jesus has first welcomed us into his family. So then we're able to welcome others into our family. And it doesn't matter your status or anything. Because with Jesus and his death and resurrection, that we're all unified with him. So I have something on my hand that I didn't have last time I preached. <laughs> and so I had a great uh, honor to be able to marry the love of my life, Rachel, and be welcomed into something that I don't deserve. That in my disobedience and in my stubbornness, in my own will and in my own desire, there's no way that Rachel would want to marry me. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> but yet the Lord has taken somebody 
He was unworthy. He was unworthy to walk alongside of a woman in his life. Somebody that doesn't deserve the blessing of marriage. He's taken that and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put you with somebody that doesn't see you for those things. But sees you for Jesus. I'm going to put you with somebody that's going to get frustrated when you don't pick up your clothes. (laughs) That's going to get frustrated when you're not clean. Going to get frustrated when I don't follow through with what I say I'm going to do. Because I want you to see that where you're at today is not where you'll be in five years or where you'll be in 10 years. But I've put you with somebody that's going to push you to be more like me. (laughs) And I put you with somebody that's on so many levels the opposite of you. (laughs) Because he doesn't desire for me to be the same today. He doesn't desire for me to be the same tomorrow. He doesn't desire for me to be the same the day after tomorrow. And hopefully I've changed since yesterday and the day before and the day before that. Because as you're welcomed into something you don't deserve, you get that glimpse, that little window into what life can be like. And so as the church, we have that opportunity to show that people, show people that little window that little glimpse of what life could be like. Because we don't deserve to be part of the family. We don't deserve to be adopted. But Christ says, you are. You are good enough. You don't have to prove yourself. As we just sang, I'm a good father. I'm welcoming you into my family with arms wide open. And it gives him and gives me great joy to, to do that. Do you feel like the, the father is joyful that you're part of his family? Yes. Good. Good. <laughs> I like that. All right, so we're going to be, we're going to jump into Ephesians um, verse 11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that the Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give you the inheritance he promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So when we hear the word inheritance on this earth, we often think of what I'm going to receive when my parents decease or pass away. And with that earthly inheritance, oftentimes, is it can only be divided so much. That it, for me, my brother and sister, there's three of us. So my parents' inheritance will be divided between three. There's not unlimited resources that they can give us an infinity. But with Jesus, as he says, I'm going to give everybody my inheritance. <laughs> and that doesn't run out. That is not, I'm going to give JP a little bit, give Lewis a little bit, give Ken a little bit. But I'm going to give you everything. All that I have. And it's going to be equal for every single one of us in here. 
And in that inheritance, it's not going to run out. That the inheritance that, that I'm going to give you and that I have given you in, in the Holy Spirit is a relationship with God for eternity. And that it brings Jesus and God great joy that you will have this inheritance. I think oftentimes we, when we think of how heaven's going to be or, or how this world's going to be, it's just hard for us to, to bring those two together. Like, well, how can heaven be infinity of all these blessings when on this earth I, I can only see so much? And in, in this, Paul is saying that without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't have the wisdom, you wouldn't have the understanding, you wouldn't ha- know who Jesus is except through the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You can't understand God on your own. That while you're still sinners, Christ died for you. While you were so far from Jesus and while you didn't understand who he was, that the inheritance was created. And through the Holy Spirit, we get to hold fast to that inheritance. We get to cling to it and say this is equal for the church. That everybody that has been and that will be as a believer is going to get that same inheritance. So for a loved one that's passed away, that was clinging to that inheritance, that you'll be able to celebrate with them in eternity. That a, a broken relationship that you couldn't restore yourself, that with that inheritance, it'll be restored forever. That circumstances in our life, diseases, things that trouble us, rejection, that with that inheritance, Jesus says, you're going to be with me forever. And that these things won't matter anymore. That you're part of my family and you're part of my inheritance, which is access to the Father forever. And it brings me great joy to welcome you into this and to give you all that I have. And when Paul talks about the Jews and the Gentiles, is, is he says it went to the uh, Jews who understood God first. And so I think what he's referencing here is the disciples that followed Jesus closely, that Jesus was a Jew, that his disciples were Jewish, and that, that he is saying, these people followed me for years, three years. And so they were the first to see the kingdom. They were first to see what Jesus could really do. They experienced the life-changing power. They experienced the miracles. They experienced the freedom. They experienced the inheritance that came from being in a relationship with Jesus. And so when it says for Gentiles who are outside the Jewish faith, outside the Jewish race, they says, I'm going to use those that know Jesus to represent him in the world. And as we receive this inheritance, Jesus is inviting us to show that inheritance to other people. That there's no status that can keep you 
away from the family. And so as, as, uh, as we are departing today and as we leave today, we can welcome people into experiencing that great faith and that great feeling and that great understanding through the Holy Spirit what it is to be part of the church. So actually, I have something exciting to, to kind of talk about. So September 10th, I have the great pleasure of being able to uh, plant a church. And it's going to be called Oikos Montrose. And so we'll be launching September 10th. And so as we launch as a church, we'll be able to represent the kingdom in a new way. Not a different way, but in a new way. Meaning that those that are going to be part of Oikos Montrose will have the ability to walk outside the doors and walk into the, the world and meet people that have never heard the good news of Jesus, that don't know what the inheritance of Jesus looks like. And so same with you people here and same with us here. As you, when you walk outside that door, you have the power of that inheritance with you. That you can invite people to experience that little bit of change that Jesus has for them. And invite people to experience who God is. And so Jesus uses the church, which is us as people, to represent him in this world. And to show people a little bit about him. And so this, as we leave with this inheritance, as a clinging to the eternal inheritance, remember that our Father was glad to do it. That he was excited to give you this inheritance. That he wanted you to have this inheritance. And one way we'll be able to celebrate that inheritance today is we'll be doing the Lord's Supper. And so it was with great joy that the Lord has invited you to dine with him for a second, for a minute, to forget about the things of this world, to forget about the disunity, to forget about the things you did wrong this week, and to receive forgiveness and receive time with him. So I'm going to call John up here to, uh, to lead us in the Lord's Supper, but, uh, but let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time to, to uh, sit here and listen to, to you and sit here to receive your inheritance, Lord. And so I ask that uh, we'll be able to hear from you today that as we leave, we'll be different, that you don't desire us to be, to be the same today, tomorrow, or the next day, but you're inviting us in to experience your kingdom differently. And so as we are the church and not a church, help us to remember that you are at the center of all of this. That without you, we were, we'd be hopeless. Without you, we wouldn't know where to turn. Without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't know anything about you. But you have shown us with great joy what it's like. And also we ask your name, Father. Amen.